Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. Hey, Paul. Here we go, man. Another episode. How's it going? What's up? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Feeling good. Feeling uh, better than you sound. Sounds like your voice is a, a little bit under the weather there. You know, Carmelo vomited this morning, so that was great. And, uh, <laughs> and then did it again. And uh, But I think I'm still recovering from alumni weekend. I was up in Vermont a couple weeks ago uh, for our 20th and just a lot of laughing and screaming. And Oh, that'll do it. I'd like to say debauchery, but there, there really wasn't. No, you're too old for that. Yeah. A 20-year college reunion. is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're not a spring chicken anymore, as they say. No. Sounds like no. something James would say. That's right. Yeah. Well, cool. Drink some water. Drink some lemon water. I got it. Because um, we've got some talking to do. All right. Well, let's start, man. I'm going to start with a question that I got this week from Michael. And he sent me several, but this is a good one to lead into You know, some things we can talk about today. He says... Is it possible to purchase a policy in one lump sum, like a one payment policy? So I think this is a common question people often ask because uh, it really shows that they haven't researched the infinite banking concept, right? Because the, the entire goal is to pay premium as for as long as possible, right? Yes. So it, it's somebody that obviously with that question, it means you don't quite understand it yet, Michael. Um, read the book probably haven't read the book. Uh, but the answer to that question is yes. Yeah, of course. You can you can pay a, a single pay policy, pay it one time and be done with it, right? But what what's the problem with that? What's going to happen? Yeah. Well, it'll become what's called uh, a modified endowment contract. And we call that a, a mech. And unfortunately, what happens when you do that is you lose the, the tax favor uh, favorable status that life insurance whole life insurance enjoys right so it gets treated more like a qualified like a traditional qualified plan or traditional IRA you get the 59 and a half rules you've got taxable income now your loans are taxable your it's last in first out right it's you just it, it's there's almost no reason to do it but I want to talk the history real quick it used to be extremely popular and that's why the government put a stop to it. Because it was a great thing, right? It's a great thing, right? Like, man, I wish I could go back to the '80s and I had the money, and right. I was old enough to put money into to something like this. Because, yeah, back in the early '80s and and before that didn't exist that mech rule. But what happened is, you know, life insurance was so favorable that so many wealthy people, and not maybe not even wealthy people, anybody who had a, somebody teaching them or an advisor saying, hey, this is a great place to put money, was put money in there and immediately growing that cash value and immediately being able to access it tax-free. Right. And uh, and the IRS, of course, you know, the IRS, I saw a little meme this week, a little funny cartoon going around LinkedIn. The There's a sign behind the, uh, the IRS person's desk and it said, the IRS. And the taxpayers on the other side of the desk, the husband turned to the wife and said, see, honey, I told you it's theirs, you know, like the IRS spells theirs. Yeah. Very clever. Right. Yeah. Um, but they saw, wow, this is a, 
this is too good. So we're going to have to put a stop to that. So they imp implemented the, the mech rule. So um, what's the purpose of the mech, Paul, uh, according to the, like, why did the IRS do that other than they want to take more of our money? Oh, I, I thought that, that, I thought that was the main reason. That is the main reason, but how do they, how do they the, define the mech? Like when we talk about mech, um, where oh, does that come into play? Are we talking seven pay test? Yeah, that, seven... and then the death benefit and the pre versus the premium and all that. Yeah, right. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't want to get too into the weeds, but basically the IRS has these, these calculations, you know, the seven pay test where there has to be a certain premium to death benefit ratio when purchasing whole life insurance, right? So the, the single premium that we, that M Michael's question is, is about doesn't meet the seven pay test, right? So in the IRS's eyes, right, they're saying, hey, he's just, he's not really buying life insurance. This is more of an investment product right. Right, for him, right? Yeah. Or a, a qualified plan type of environment. So it gets taxed accordingly under those rules. So it, it is life insurance. The death benefit is still a income tax-free to the beneficiary, right? But everything else, policy loans, withdrawals, uh, you know, the, you know, we have dividends that are still going to be paid on these policies. Those all lose their their tax, you know, favored status, which is, I, I you know, it's a very rare occasion where I'll recommend a single premium policy. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but it's going to be a very special case. Right. I mean, the only time I would think, like if my only two choices were, uh, hey, I had a million dollar lump sum that I needed to put into something and it was either I can throw it in the market or put it in a mutual fund or put it into life insurance. I'd put it in life insurance at a heartbeat because in either case, you're going to be paying taxes on the earnings. Yeah. But, and you maintain your liquidity and you still have access to that cash. Exactly. So, albeit under taxable events, there's those 59 and a half, uh, you know, age 59 and a half rules as well that you have to abide by. Right. Right. So that's, you know, add whatever tax you're paying, right? Add the 10% penalty on top of it. Yeah. Uh, so when we design infinite banking style policies, we design these to, as Nelson says, snuggle up to the mech line, that's but right. don't cross it. So what he means by that is we are trying to like like the intro says to this podcast we're flipping everything on its head financially so most people think of insurance of any kind i want the most insurance coverage for the least amount of premium which makes a lot of sense in almost every case of insurance sure except for when it comes to permanent life insurance if you're going to use it as a banking system like we designed them to be so we do the exact opposite we try to put in as much premium as possible for the smallest amount of death benefit. And like you said, the IRS is classified saying like, hey, if I wanna put in $50,000 a year, there's a minimum amount of threshold of death benefit I have to have so that the IRS does not qualify, does not say that, hey, that's a mech. You know, right. we've gotta prove that the purpose, the primary purpose is buying this for the life insurance. So, um, yep. so we designed these policies to snuggle up to that mech line. So get as much premium in there, minimize the death benefit as much as possible in general, you know, we're all obviously going to take that into account because people need to be insured. Um, right. but you minimize that in order to maximize the banking function and the, the capitalization period and all of that for the policy. Um, and, and that's where the mech comes into play. And when we design these policies, it's, uh, it, it's more or less guaranteed that it's not going to mech unless 
unless like how could any of the policies that we design mech paul yeah <clears throat> well you could run into a scenario where you know you've put in x amount of dollars and you've taken like a what you know what we call maybe a maximum uh, allowable policy loan right which is going to start to accrue interest every year right interest is going to be on top of that loan every year it's going to compound well if you run into a situation if you where if you don't pay if you if don't, don't make no loan repayments right <clears throat> or um, interest payments at all right yeah right where so if the if the balance of that loan plus the interest you know is going to exceed the the cash value in the policy then you're going to get a phone call from me probably well you're not doing infinite banking how dare you but so you probably got a phone call a lot earlier than that from paul oh no question yeah no <laughs> no question you're stealing the peas you're not being you're breaking all nelson's rules right you're stealing the peas you're not being an honest banker and you're clearly afraid to capitalize right but anyway that would that could become a taxable event if that policy lapses right if you don't do something like make a loan repayment or do something to cause that not to collapse then yeah you're gonna have a, ta a taxable event yeah right you know we, we've been mentioning the irs and tax code and everything let's not forget that whole life insurance when properly designed it, it's not a tax loophole that is creating this wonderful benefit that we call properly designed dividend paying whole life insurance right there's no right. loophole in the it's tax code right it's not an exception that's just the way it is life insurance has been around much longer than the irs uh, yes. much longer than income tax so it's not a loophole that's just the way it's classified and has always been classified right and any loan you take, whether you're you go to finance a car traditionally, you go to the you know the finance guy at the dealership and he gives you a loan. Well, that loan's not taxed as income, right? Right. Just like that's why you know policy loans are, are no different. You're borrowing money from the life insurance company. That's not going to be a taxable event unless your policy's a mech. Right. So I mean, if they started taxing loans, then the economy would shut down. Correct. Who would borrow money if that's going to be, I'm going to go borrow $600,000 to buy a house and then I get taxed on $600,000 of income that year? No, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Right. Gosh, I hope they're not thinking about that. Well, they're thinking about taxing unrealized gains. So I wouldn't no, put it past those Marxists. Unbelievable. So, yeah. Um, so that kind of answered Michael's, actually, one of his other questions is what happens if I don't pay back the policy loans? So, well, if right. you don't pay back the policy loans, one, you're not doing infinite banking, just like you said, Paul. Um, two, you could get yourself into the situation after a, a long period of time of uh, creating a mech in your policy. But um, barring that, uh, let's say you you do you don't steal the peas, you do play honest banker with yourself. You will not mech these policies in the way they're nope. designed. In fact, they're guaranteed. I've asked the company multiple times if somebody pays too much in a in a single year, um, and you know, more than they're allowed to, and you apply it to the policy, the policy is going to mech, right? And they're like, no, no, of course not. We will not fund these things more than what they're allowed to up to the mech line. If you overpay, they simply send you a, a letter saying, hey, you overpaid by $2,000. What do you want to do with this two grand? You want to send it back to you uh, or apply it to an outstanding loan or save it for next year? Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they do. They basically do a mech test. Um, that's why you want a good company uh, to do IBC through um, that do, does those things, right? Yeah, and more importantly, a a good agent who knows you know, what the heck they're doing uh, to, to make sure it's not a mech and it never will become a mech. That's right. So, because what's the rule? 
Once a Mac, always a Mac. Always a Mac. Yep. So you can't, if you have a policy, and, and we talk to a lot of people who have permanent insurance policies, whether they're whole life policies or uh, IULs um, or yeah. some other garbage. And uh, they, they come to us and they say, hey, what can I do with this policy? And there are some options, but the first thing I always want to find out, well, is that a mech or not? Because you can't take that mech policy, we can't 1035 that into a, a brand new properly structured whole life policy and turn a mech into a non-mech. It's just, that's right. It's, it, it's dead on arrival. That's right. Yeah. You'd have to just surrender that policy for cash after getting underwritten for a new policy that can accept that cash, right? Right. The, that'd be the best option. Yep. Or leave, keep funding that IUL. Yeah. So once a mech, always a mech. Hopefully that's not too much information for people. We don't want to get too, too deep in the details because really it's a moot point. You do not need to worry about it whatsoever. Yeah. If, I always tell my, oh, sorry. No, if, if you're doing, the, if you find the right person to design the policies for you, an IBC practitioner, and if you're playing honest banker. You don't have to worry. That's right. A lot of this question comes up, Dave, on the on the mech thing is people people think it's associated with a dollar amount of premium. Like, hey, if I pay fifty thousand dollars in premium, is that going to be a mech? And they're they're just misunderstanding what it actually is. You could have a a policy that's a that's a mech that's twelve hundred dollars a year. Yeah, or it could be a million dollars a year. It's the it's the design of the policy or the fact that it was a single pay policy that creates the mech status, not the dollar amount. Right. I just want to make sure that people understand that. Yep. Uh, good clarification. Um, well, so what else? I could go through the other questions that Michael has here. Yeah, let's um, do it. Yeah, he said when you borrow from a whole life insurance policy, do you pay interest on the loan? So again, he hasn't read the book. Um, but there is some confusion around the interest. Like anybody who understands even the, the little bit of IBC knows that, yes, of course you're paying interest on that loan because you're borrowing the somebody else's money. Yes. Right. That's correct. So, but there is, and I've, you know, even people who have been practicing this for years, not as IBC practitioners, but just users, policy owners. Sure. Right. Cause maybe they were they they misunderstood or the person explaining to them um you know maybe it was their misunderstanding and they passed it on to the policy holder and try to make it sound like too good to be true or much you know something that it's not right which is hey when you pay this interest back to yourself it actually increases the value of your policy which would mean that taking policy loans and repaying them would actually make your policy perform better than if you never took a loan Right, which is not the case. Not the not the case. I you know, I suppose that one could argue indirectly by taking a loan at whatever X percentage. If that percentage were higher, like the interest rate they're charging you at the insurance company is higher than the insurance company can earn in its overall general portfolio of bonds and stuff, you know, you're make helping make that company profitable, which is paying you a dividend, which, you know, is giving you money in the end, right? But no, it, it's not adding value to the policy just through the act of borrowing the life insurance company's money. It, right. it doesn't at all. The only way to add value to a policy is through premium, whether that's PUA premium, um, whether it's the annual dividend or if you're you're structured for for cash value, right? Where half your premium maybe is is going to another uh, paid up addition, paid up additions rider, excuse me. That's adding value to the policy. Your base premium is adding value to the policy, but you can only add value to the policy through premium. 
Right. Which goes back to the question of you know, some people who say, hey, I've got, I've got this cash value. And they start learning about this idea because maybe they started these policies and they didn't really realize that they could use that cash value to finance their lives and their purchases through life. So they've been doing the, that because they're very conservative and they want a long-term, like a retirement plan. And then they're putting money in savings at a bank over here. And they say, well, hey, I'm going to go buy a, a new set of golf clubs for 1200 bucks. Um, hey, now I learned about this banking thing. I'm going to go borrow 1200 bucks from my, against my policy to go buy that and then pay myself back instead of using the, the 50,000 I have saved up in, in my savings account over here at the bank. And that, it just doesn't make sense. Because right. they think they're adding value, but they're- You're not. They're not. Yeah, they're not. because they would take that $1,200 loan, go buy the golf clubs, and then they'd repay that loan, but they got 50,000, so they would just take 12 grand, 1,200 for their 50,000 to go repay that. And all they did was pay you know 5% interest on the, the, the the week or two that they had that money out alone. Like it doesn't make right. any sense. Right. You just paid a little too much for those golf clubs. Right. Yeah. So no, I think it's an important point to bring up because a lot of people, that's a, that's a question I field generally fairly early in the process after they've done some reading, they've read Nelson's book and they need to read it again. But cause he does say, Hey, the additional interest that we're paying back, right. Is premiums to the life insurance company. That's how we add to the capital base of the, of our system. Right. Yeah. So, um, but super important distinction, um, and point to bring up. Otherwise, I mean, everyone, I mean, it would be the, the greatest thing ever and it also wouldn't exist because the insurance right. companies would go broke in a week. Yeah. So using policy loans for the sake of using loans, um, is not benefiting you at all using policy loans because that's the only place you're accumulating capital because you've created enough room in your series of, of life insurance policies to capture all of your capital that, uh, you know, that, that you're putting away for purchases and, and investments and everything else. That's when it's beneficial to you. Really what it benefits you is like, you can't improve the performance of your policy by taking loans. Like we already established, but you can improve the performance of your overall lifetime wealth building by utilizing policy loans versus paying cash or financing at an outside institution. Without, That's what you're oh, doing. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, if you did nothing else, but what Nelson kind of is telling us in this book and recapture, you know, that 34 and a half cents uh, out of every dollar throughout our lifetime, just by doing IBC through properly structured dividend paying whole life, you'll be You'll be so much farther ahead than you otherwise would have been just investing 10% of your income or whatever. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. And then chasing that high rate of return. Right. So, I mean, gosh, how many studies have there been where, you know, there's been 15, 20 year periods where stock market, stock market has gained zero, you know, it, it started here, took a big dip and then it took another 10 years to climb back up to where it started before. Yeah, a lot of folks don't you know, just do don't do the calculations. They don't realize how much how much higher rate of return you need to to earn in the following years after a significant loss. Oh yeah, yeah, a significant amount, and that's all fine and dandy if you're 20 years old. But what about when you're 60? When you're 65, you're retired, you're 70, and you still got 15, 20 years left on this earth. You're not adding any more money to those accounts. You're only taking money right. out. And how are you going to be able to survive a 20 year drought? Yeah, you're not, you're not. So talk about timing the market. They, the advisors always say, don't, you can't time the market. Don't time the market. 
yet they're telling you that they can time the market and telling you that everything's going to be fine in retirement if you just do all of this for 40 years with them. Yeah, Dave, the more and more I look at these strategies where we're doing the what used to be the 4% rule, now it's the whatever percent rule uh, based on what the market's doing. And I don't understand how that actually people are lapping that up. Like, yeah, don't worry. You know, you can take out 4%. The market's going to average six. You'll never run out of money or... Hey, look, we've illustrated you running out of money at age 100 or age 95. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Just, the thing that kills silly. me, it's like the government lies to you repeatedly. The news stations, the media lies to you repeatedly, yet you still trust them. The stock market disappoints you repeatedly. Everything your broker says turns out to be uh, inaccurate multiple times yet we still trust them. But if you and I, like if you and I are buddies, if you lied to me repeatedly, we would no longer be buddies. In fact, we wouldn't even be in contact anymore. I'd be done with That's you. Right. That's because right. Because I'm not gonna deal with a person who I can't trust. That's right. Yet you're, it's like, I don't know, is it Stockholm Syndrome or, or uh, you know, maybe another one I don't wanna mention, but like somebody who just is abused over and over and over, and they just think that's the way it is. Like that's, that's kind of where well, we yeah, are financially. You're, you're kind of, you're, we're accustomed to thinking a certain way. You know, our education system is certainly doesn't, isn't meeting the mark anymore, right? Like we have people that, that cannot critically think. Right. Um, that cannot think for themselves. And, and it, so it's not surprising. It's not surprising that this is what is occurring in the financial space. Yeah. Just continue to do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and I think mostly it's because people don't know that there is another option. There yeah, are other like options. We, did, we didn't know. We didn't know. And maybe it was for lack of, maybe it was for lack of looking for a long time. Like I just put money aside and, you know, gave it away to, to somebody else to right. manage and didn't worry about it until, until you kind of peek behind the curtain or you get a, you know, somebody red pills you and then you can't unhear it and unsee it. So you're like, ah, guess I got to go down this rabbit hole and, and see where it leads. And so I guess that's what we're trying to do is just give everybody a little piece of information. That's going to be enough for them to say, Hey, maybe there's something different. Sure. Yeah. And hopefully we accomplish that with what we're doing. And, and if anybody else listening wants to pass these podcasts on to somebody else in your network, who, who maybe could use just a little nudge to, to think just slightly different. Um, I think, they're going to thank you in the long term. Yeah. You know, I don't think anyone would ever object to, hey, how would you feel about putting your money in a place that only you control? W would that interest you? Well, yes. what if what if I'm, I'm afraid to control my own money? Well, then I, I probably I probably can't talk to you. You have to, you know, this is not for, you know, IBC is for a very disciplined person. It is not for the indiscipline. Right. Uh, does, does that make sense? It's, it's, I, I can't help that person that doesn't want more or yeah. doesn't want to take that. A lot of people just, you're right. They're just kind of, Hey, I'm on cruise control. I'm, you know, every month this is getting taken out of my check, going into my 401k. This money's coming out of my check and going to my Roth or my traditional IRA that I set up for myself or whatever. And they just like the, it's just easy. They don't even have to think about it. Yeah. And my annual, once a year they have their checkup. Yeah. And they you know, tell me and, everything looks good. Everything's um, good. Keep doing what you're doing. Good. Blood yeah. pressure's good. Yeah. Right. You know, keep doing and, what you're doing. 
hey, I know the I know the Dow went down, you know, twenty five percent in the last you know twelve months, but don't worry, it'll come back. We don't know when or. Don't worry. Whatever, let me get but, to, uh, talking point number three. The market always goes up long term. That's right. So, Generally speaking, talking yeah. point number four: invest for the long term. Everything's <laughs> going to be okay, Paul. Yeah. Buy term and invest the difference. Uh, we we pay we uh we use a little bit of sarcasm on the show, folks. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's okay. That's, that's who we are. All right. Well, cool, man. I think that was good. That's probably enough mech talk for one day for everybody. Uh, unless you got any closing closing arguments, but I think we cover that mech pretty no, well. I mean, Nelson talks about it on page 38. He's got a little chart there about the modified endowment contract, and he's kind of talking about IBC and, and how where where it is in time and space that that policy should kind of sit. Um, yeah. So that, all, that always generates questions. Yeah, the bottom line is if you're using the right agent to design these for you and coach you in the process, and you're playing honest banker with yourself, you have zero to worry about when it comes to mech. You're always going to have this ability to take cash value loans completely tax-free. That, that's right. And it's good to be aware of it, I would say. And I think that sure. shows that people are paying attention to what they're reading, which is great. But I've, I've had a few clients who I love, but we have spent we spent way too much time talking about the modified endowment contract. Yeah, don't get tripped up in the details, folks. Like This is not that important if you're working with the right person. Right. Like it's, it's okay. Yeah, I'm covered. I covered mech check covered, not a concern anymore. Let's right. move on. Let's move on. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. So speaking of moving on, uh, I got to go get some dinner and head off to football practice. So we're on a three game losing streak that we really got to, we got to get back, man. It's tough. Got to dig down deep boys. I tell you, we get, we get, we started the season with like 16 kids. One kid just didn't show up. One kid got a concussion and quit for the season. Um, and then we've had like one or two injured every single game. So we're like oh, wow. I, Iron Man. It's nine-man football it's for 10-year-olds. both sides of the ball here. They are. Like ha over half the team's playing Iron Man every day. And these kids are yeah. – uh, it's painful for them. But uh, they got heart. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Win or lose, it's a ton of fun. And it's just fun to teach the kids about, you know, win well and lose well. But, you know, learn something when you lose. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great lessons. Yeah. And, you know, they're 10 years old, so I can still outrun them and show off, you know, like making cool catches with them. I'm like, hey. <laughs> so, you know, give it another two years and there's no way that's happening. I thought you didn't run ever. I, I choose not to run. Um, I'll run. I'll run routes to catch balls. That's about it. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, otherwise, I just walk, man. What's your route? Slant? Uh, all of them. I can do them all. All of them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think people knew you were a, a wide receiver. I was a played wide receiver in college for a couple of years at the Air Force Academy and then tore my ACL and decided I'd rather fly than, than try to get on the field. I was on the meat squad anyway. So I'll, I'll, have to I'll have to tell you a joke after we get off air about, about that. Yeah. Yeah, I knew there was a joke behind there. But, it's from uh, the 80s, so you know it's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we better we better cut it off here, and then you can tell me the joke. So. <laughs> All right, All everybody. Right, yeah, we'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.